Going beyond the headlines? Getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR. Did you hear about the man in a Southwest apartment early this morning? Jumps from his third floor window saying he was having a bad dream. How serious is this? Dr. Charles Samuels, Medical Director, Center for Sleep and Human Performance and President of the Canadian Sleep Society, joins us today. Hello, Dr. Samuels. How are you today? I'm well, and I'm sure you've heard all kinds of stories when it comes to sleepwalking. But what exactly is sleepwalking? It is, as you pointed out at the beginning, quite serious. And this represents the extreme end of what actually can happen. I'm not aware of what happened in the end with this story, but I do have stories of patients who've done some pretty nasty things in their sleep. So what it is, is a very interesting state of brain awareness where we're crossing over between a sleep state and a wake state. There's not a lot known about this, a lot of uh, a lot of interest in researching it. We understand the nature of the problem now, which maybe we have understood better in the last 20 years through research. But we don't know why it happens and we don't know why certain people do it and others don't. We do know there's a genetic predisposition to sleepwalking, though, and other parasomnias, which is the term used, uh, like sleepwalking. Is it a, a the sign of a restless mind? I know you say there's still so many questions as to why it happens, but are we able to determine what is happening in some people's minds when this is occurring? No. But what we do understand really well is the patterns of triggers. So the idea that this is a restless mind or that there is some mental illness is actually incorrect. But what we do know is that people who are predisposed to sleepwalking type episodes tend to have a higher frequency and more intense or more complex behaviors when they are under stress. That would be one trigger that's common. The other would be sleep deprivation. So if you sleep deprive an individual, the likelihood that they would have an episode is greater. And then the other is various medications that affect brain function can trigger these events. Does it happen in younger people more than older people or vice versa? That's actually quite interesting because, of course, sleepwalking is more common in um, in children and um, more common in children who have a family history of it. And it tends to burn out, and the later ages would be in the early teens. Um, but some people actually have sleepwalking that persists into adult life. Any advice for loved ones who either see a young child sleepwalking or their partners are sleepwalking? Yeah. It, it, the safety is the number one thing. So when patients come to the center with these complaints of sleepwalking, and often they come and they were sort of an entertaining person when they were little, and it's not entertaining anymore when they're an adult. So it is important to uh, ensure that that the house is safe, that they can't get out of the house, that they can't drive the car. I've had patients ride bicycles, drive cars, um, smoke cigarettes when they're non-smokers, do all kinds of very bizarre things. And in terms of stopping the individual, if it is a true sleepwalking episode, which for the average person is not that easy to determine, as opposed to what we call a night terror, where there's pretty dramatic behavior, it's easier to sort of wake the person up and then redirect them to bed. If they're having a night terror, which is very different from the sleepwalking, and they're somewhat violent or disturbing, waking them up can turn into a a not a good situation. Wow, get some great advice if you experience that or your loved one is experiencing it. Dr. Samuels, thanks again. Yeah, my pleasure.
Dr. Samuels is the medical director, Center for Sleep and Human Performance.